Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We are excited to welcome our senior pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, as our special guest as we continue looking at the seven churches of Revelation. Today we will see Jesus' message to the church at Pergamos, which was a wealthy city, a medical center, and it had an incredible library. Pergamos also had a temple for each of the four greatest Greek gods, as well as the first temple built to Caesar for emperor worship. In the third letter, we find a church that has not lost its faith in Jesus, but one that is prone to compromise. If you can, please turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, for Dr. Redmond's message, When Compromise is Not Good. Look with me, if you will, at our text in Revelation chapter 2, and let's begin in verse number 12. Jesus said, Now, this is what John's to give this church, this letter. He said, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write. Now, listen carefully. In the book of Revelation, when we read about angel, it's talking about angels, messengers from God. That's what an angel is. An angel is a messenger from God everywhere except here. Here, it's not talking about an angel. Nowhere in the Bible do you find angels leading churches. Probably this refers to the pastor of each one of these churches. And they are being talked about here. It says, so give this letter to this person. These things say he who has a sharp two-edged sword. And then three wonderful things are said about this church. Jesus said, I know your works. And he says, know where you dwell. You'll be there in a moment. And he says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. It was an evil place. But then he says, and I know also that you hold fast to my name. And then he said, I know also you do not deny my faith. Now, those are three wonderful qualities Jesus points out, commending this church. He said, you're a working church. You're a working church. And you have held fast to my name. You've not wavered in this culture in which you live. And and you've been true to the faith. Well, what could better be said? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing you could say about a believer at their funeral service? Say, now here's one. Look at them. They were always doing work for the Lord. They were true to his name. They were true to the faith. He says all those things. But then he has a great word of comfort in this 13th verse. He says, I not only know your works. He says, I know where you dwell. And I want us to camp out there just for a brief moment. Jesus told them, I know where you dwell. Now listen carefully. In in the New Testament, there there are two Greek words Different words, they mean completely something opposite one from the other, but they're translated into English by the same word, dwell. And the, one of those Greek words is, is talking about where a person lives temporarily. Like the Bible talks about sojourners in Philippians in chapter three, uh, in first Peter chapter two talking about sojourners, talking about pilgrims. I remind you this morning, you and I 
This is not our permanent home that we live in. We're, we're just passing through. We're sojourn. We dwell here, but this is not the end for us. We're just pilgrims going on to a better land. Well, that's the word, but that's not the word used here. The word used here, translated dwell, means that, that it's a permanent place, that where you are, you can't escape. And so what Jesus is saying to these people in uh, Pergamon, he said, look, you need to understand. I know where you dwell. I know where you dwell. You can't get out. You can't escape. Now think about that for you and for me a moment. I want to remind you this morning. I just prayed with one of our members and said right before I came out, let me remind you, God knows where you dwell. You see, I think about how that encourages so many Christian people. You know, there are many, there are many Christian people that live in homes where it's not easy to be a Christian. That's true. And yet, what a comfort to know God knows where they dwell. They can't escape it. I can think of so many godly wives I've watched over so many years, and they maybe have good husbands, but their husbands have no use for God, no use for the church. I'm telling you, it's hard to live in a place like that. Hard to live in a home like that and still be faithful to God. But to know God knows where you're at. I, 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 think, I think of so many Christian people who work every day at their job hearing God blasphemed. They don't work in a Christian atmosphere. And it's just encouraging. They need to be reminded that God knows where they dwell. And then I think of so many Christians, they, 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 they're going through enormous afflictions. And sometimes they're tempted just to give up, just tempted to give up. And I say, they need to remember this, God knows where you dwell. Folks, listen, in life, hear me, we all go through stuff. Could I have an amen to that? We all go through things, and it just blesses me, encourages me. It helps me to know that God knows where I dwell. Well, those are the comforting words and the commendation God gave this church. But then, as wonderful as all that is, in this letter, God tells this church to repent. Look in verse 16. God said, repent. Well, why in the world? A church that's a working church, true to the faith, True to God's name, why in the world would he tell them to repent? Well, look in verses 14 and 15, and you'll see. God says, I have a few things against you because you have those there. Not all of them, but you have some who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, make a note. Time won't let me. I'd love to go down that story. Numbers 31. Numbers chapter 31. You ought to read that chapter this afternoon because in a nutshell, Balak was king of Moab and he looked and saw this multitude of Hebrew people that were about to come into his land. And he said, listen, I've got to do something. While there's so many, they're so numerous, they'll destroy our land. And so he called for this man named Balaam. 
And he wanted him to put a curse on the Hebrew people, and he wouldn't do it. And old King Balak said, look, I'll give you anything you want if you'll put a curse on the Hebrew people. He said, no, I won't do it. But what he did do was this. He said to old King Balak, he said, I'll tell you what you do. If you'll get those Moabite women to have sex relationships with these Hebrew men, it will corrupt God's people. That's exactly what happened. And that's what that's talking about. And then he says, another thing, verse 15, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, that things which I hate. You say, what was their problem? It it was immorality and self-indulgence. And the bottom line of the whole big deal is, here's the whole deal, compromise. Compromise. That was the problem in Pergamos. Back in Ephesus, they left their first love. We're over here now in Pergamos. What was their big problem? (laughs) Their big problem was compromise. And what a problem that is. And fast forward, the church today, Christians today, this is exactly our big problem. You know, I want to say this may be the most important church we'll look at in all seven. But if I were preaching on another one of these churches, I'd probably say this was. But I'm telling you what, this, folks, is the battle you and I face and fight every day of our life. Compromise. You say, Pastor, how do we compromise? Well, first of all, we compromise God's day. Christians compromise God's day. The third commandment said, we'll remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. You read in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, time and time again, you read, on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and reasoned with the people. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, says, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. In the book of Hebrews, let us not forsake this assembly together of other believers. So Bible, that's not a suggestion, that's a command from God. When Bible speaks, God speaks. So this whole idea, we, we compromise God's day. You know, it's, it, there's just so many other things that people find to do on God's day. And that's exactly what happens on God's day. Now, this part of the message, problem, <laughs> you're here in church. I wish I could talk to those that are not here that could be here. You know, I was reading some some things to kind of tell us what's going on in the church world. And Barner uh, is like in, in church life, kind of what Gallup poll is to the secular, even though Gallup poll does some religious stuff. But Barner does nothing but religious stuff. And I was reading some of his studies, as, what he had learned. It's the most amazing thing. He And one of the most shocking things I read was in one of the studies, it was talking about the term practicing Christians surfaced. And I thought, I wonder who he says that is. And I read a little further. He had a definition of a practicing Christian. You'll like it. A practicing Christian, according to that study, is a Christian that goes to church at least once a month or more. So now I'm declaring each of you practicing Christians. 
But now here, here is the, I, you know, I thought about that. I thought, man, person just goes to church one Sunday a month and we, we call them practicing Christians. Whereas God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Hebrews says, uh, we're not to forsake this sin together believers. Paul's a great example. Jesus made it. Example. And we're talking about if a person shows up to church once a month, they're practicing Christians. Well, in the study, th- this is what just blew my mind. And I want to share it with you today. Uh, in the study, he did a study from March of 2020 to March of 2021. That's, that's during the COVID. You know, how, how was the church? All ch- how were churches doing? What were Christians doing for a year, that year during the COVID? And here's what he found. Only, only 23% of practicing Christians, that's the one Sunday a month crowd or more, only 23% in that year went to church at all or streamed a service at all. Zero, 23%. And we talk about compromise. How in the world could a person be a Christian and for a year, even during COVID, not even watch a church service? I mean, you know, you just got, well, this is what's happened. It's, it's compromise, and I could talk about it forever. And you say, well, you know, you're the pastor, and you're the preacher, and you want everybody to come to church. Folks, listen, you already are at church. And it really doesn't matter. I am the pastor, and I am the preacher. I do want folks to come to church, but I'm not the issue. The issue is what God says. And I want to encourage you, you know, what's happened? Sunday, <laughs> supposed to be God's day. You, you, it's, it's difficult to, die, to even get Christians to make it God's hour or hour and 10 minutes, whatever. You say, well, yeah, but we've got to get here. Well, okay, let's play that game. I love to play games like that. Yeah, I was just thinking this morning, there's old Ron and Cindy Rucker sitting back there. I got on Google this morning to check. They drive 49 miles each way from Cleveland, Texas, back home to come to church. Now, they've got to get up. They've got to get dressed. They've got to have some oatmeal, whatever they eat. They've got to get here. So for them, now, then, then I think of this. We have another, a Scott and Amanda Casey. They're going to be baptized next Sunday. Such a beautiful and sweet husband and wife. They drive 30 miles every Sunday morning to get here and 30 miles to get back. Now, Ron and Cindy, to my knowledge, are the farthest active folks. Now, a lot of folks drive some distance to get here, but, but the point that I make is even if you were driving 49 miles to get here, which is a long way to get here. Okay. Okay. But, but most of our folks don't live 49 miles away. And so really what we've said is if, if you could just give God maybe on his day, an hour or two, but no, we've got the ball leagues going, and we've got this going, and we've got that going. We've got four dozen. See, people, people don't stay home from work for all that stuff. They just skip God in all that stuff. And I'm saying to you, be on guard. Now, you're here. You're to be commended, and I do. But I encourage you, be careful, or else you yourself will begin to compromise God's day. Now, I'll tell you a second way we compromise. We compromise God's way. We compromise God's way. 
And, you know, back in Bible times, followers of Jesus were first called Christians at Antioch. You read that in the book of Acts. But long before they were called Christians, they were called people of the way. In fact, you go in the book of Acts when Paul was asking for letters to go and arrest Christians. That's Saul before he became Paul. That was him before he was saved, before he met Jesus on Damascus Road. He wanted letters that he could go over and find these people of the way, talking about followers of Jesus. And, and it's just, you know, it, we, we compromise God's way and we begin to live our way. And we, we, need to be, we need to work on that. It's, it, we're kind of like the people were. The last book in uh, Judges, it says, everyone did what's right in their own eyes. That's kind of how people live today. Even Christians, just we'll just do what's right in our own eyes. Well, that's okay as long as it jives up with what God says in his word. Now, I quickly, I want to give you, I wish you'd jot these down. I want to give you four things that will help you to live God's way. And you'll do wise and do well to write them down. First of all, each morning, now notice I said morning, each morning pray Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things in thy word. Before you even pick up your Bible, you will do well to say, God, I'm about to read my Bible now. Would you open my eyes and show me wondrous things in your word. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that every morning before you pick up your Bible, whether you read one, two, three, whatever verses, you'll be amazed how God will show you something just for you, just for that day to get you through. Now that's every morning. Now every day, apply Psalm 119 verse 105. Psalm 119 105 says God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and appropriate it through the day. As you go through the day and you have to make a decision about this and this and yonder, just say, now God, I need you. I need a word from you to be a lamp and a light so I'll go the right way. And then number three, study the Bible. Don't just read the Bible. Study the Bible. Get you a Bible and some, maybe one commentary that might would help you, but, but maybe the Bible and a yellow pad and just, you just say, God, I want you to open my eyes and show me things and, and, and just God gave you a brain, study his word and let God tell you what his word says to you rather than some writer in a commentary telling you what he saw that might work for you. You'll be amazed how God will help you at that point. And then number four, get a life verse, memorize it, and appropriate it throughout your day. That's a mouthful, but that's good. Get a life verse. You say, well, what do you mean a life verse? Well, a verse that just is special to you. My life verse, and my life verse has changed through the years. Like, but my present life verse is Psalm 16, verse 8. It has been that since September 2014, I was in Tahoe. The only time I've ever been in Tahoe in my life, out on a beach. And I was reading my Bible. I was reading my NIV that Dottie gave me on our 50th wedding anniversary. And I ran across that verse, and it just seemed like it jumped up off the page. 
And here's what the verse says in the NIV. Here's one verse, NIV makes an A+. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him in my right hand, I'll not be shaken. Okay, that's a pretty good verse. Well, I've wanted to change it, but I just keep hanging on to it. And every year I think maybe I, you just get you a verse, you know, just, it, you, you'll just be a verse. It's just kind of your verse for now in this time in your life. Memorize that verse and then appropriate that verse as you go through the day. Now, listen to me. Don't compromise living God's way. But here's the bottom line. <laughs> you can't live God's way without God. Think about that a moment. I'm convinced after all these years pastoring, how many church members really tried to live God's way and it dawned on them out there one day. <laughs> I'm trying to live God's way without God. I'm talking about good people, honest people, sincere people, decent people doing what? Trying to live God's way. But you can't live God's way without God. You see, you can't live God's way without the Holy Spirit in you. Your old flesh and my old flesh, we, we can't do. Listen, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. I want you to bow with me this morning. I just believe this morning in this room, there's some here and others perhaps watching. And you need to think about this. Are you trying to live God's way? Are you trying to live your life without God? You say, wait a minute, I believe in God. No, I'm talking about that. Have you Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, come into your life in the person of the Holy Spirit, and make you a Christian. You say, well, many of you this morning, I'd say the majority of you say, Pastor, I have done that. Now, sometimes I kind of compromise hither and yonder. Well, when you do, you're quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. Even though you have God, you're trying to live God apart from the fullness and the power of his spirit. But some this morning, that's not your issue. Your issue is you've never really settled your salvation. So this morning, if you're not sure about that, would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you now to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I turn from them. And I'm trusting you for my salvation. Others, perhaps you need to take that prayer and say, God, I've, I've prayed that prayer, but I don't have that 100% peace. This morning, settle that. Just settle that this morning. Just say, God, maybe I'm saved. I don't know, I'm, but I want to know. So God, this morning, first Sunday in June, I'm settling my salvation. I'm placing my faith and trust in you and you alone. Amen. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. We are so very happy for you. In fact, the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven are rejoicing over your new life in Christ. Please share your decision with us by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Again, that's one 800 337-0157. If you are a new believer in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your family and friends about how Jesus has changed your life. 
we have a booklet titled How to Be a Happy Christian that will help you on your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation in its entirety, simply go to fbp.org forward slash revelation. Again, that's www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others under the broadcast tab on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. If the ministry of Peace by Believing has been a blessing to your life, please let your families and friends know about our program. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.